Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. Adam and Eve are out, and they made a new nest for Jack and Earl as they discuss Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 2, New Eden. That was New Eden, if you couldn't hear what he was saying. New Wheaton. Oh, New Wheaton. New Wheaton. So, welcome, so, guys. Today, Earl and I will be discussing New Eden. And this time, we're going to record it. <laughs> and this time, we're going to record it. Because <laughs> this is going to be this uh, is the third day. time trying to record it, you need to realize. <laughs> <laughs> the first two times, we record it. Well, I know we did it, but here we are. So. <laughs> so, this is the episode where a signal leads the USS Discovery to a planet inhabited by descendants of survivors of World War III on Earth. The original release date is the 24th of January, 2019. Or for those of you in America, it's January 24th, 2019. Or 2019, if you're really, really from America. It is 43 minutes long. It is rated TV PG. Uh, red red and white clouds here with the thunderclaps and the lightning and it, I mean it's kind of reminiscent of uh, Mr. Spock's brain and having the, the storm of the nightmares that he's actually narrating about is there some reason they couldn't huh? thrown around why did they play the was there some reason oh. they around that particular storm well, or was it just so that the, the director could set the tone because I'm going to go I agree with that <laughs> I'm okay with the way. I think they're both great. We we will see in a little bit here that there's uh, some more tone being set and a little bit of flippy flippy dippy. So that might be a hint as to why we did that. Well, you know, sometimes we have to fly through an electrical storm in order to recharge the sard uh, collectors with well, that, yeah. ions. That's a good point. So Fox is going on leave. Correct if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, something so, like that. Yeah. Um, how does leave work in Starfleet? Do you think? Do you think he had to like put in like a, a request like a few days before and like say like how long it's going to be and like uh, like do you think that he has to like check in while he's on leave like every once in a while just be like hey I'm good. Um, if it's I mean, like, yeah, is leave, that how it works in the Navy? To come back on his own or what? Why would that? Why would that apply? Guys, some people tell me that this is not the military, so I don't know what kind of question you're asking. Well, I mean, there are some things based in real life that they're doing. I like how they do the pan, like they're looking over at the doorway of the ready room, but it's actually the doorway of the bridge, and it's them coming onto the bridge instantaneously. Yes, there are. Ooh, there are some interesting uh, directorial choices here. There's some some fine camera work that I quite enjoy in this episode. I'm very enamored with with Tilly's Princess Leia look, like almost Princess Leia look. <laughs> okay. From, of foreign galaxies. <laughs> uh huh. This is another one of those episodes where you get into it and you, uh, before you even realize they haven't even finished with the teaser yet and haven't done the credits yet it's like wait it's how far into the episode and sure. so i do remember there was one that was 22 minutes before we got to the to the uh, to the opening sequence is that what yeah. they call that what is that called 
the credit opening credits opening credits sure i suppose yeah absolutely or if you're on in youtube it would be a uh, intro instead of an outro i don't is that a word excuse me i'm uh So we do this warp trip. <laughs> so I, yeah, every once in a while, I'm really like stunned by the relationship between the stamens. And really, like for me, it was all summed up in the moment when he said that she was incandescent, but she should still shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay. Like, I don't think I would really talk to that guy after that. Like, like I'll just set up. Uh-huh. But she just, yeah, I, I, she continues to care so much. This makes me wonder why. So he, he stands here and he describes to Tilly how he saw Hugh inside the network, right? Uh-huh. And I wondered, well, so it was, was it the last episode that he told, or maybe the episode before? One of those two where he told us that he was going to leave to go to the Vulcan Science Academy, but then Pike came and he stayed. Was it the final episode of last season? Did he said that? It was the final episode of last season. Yeah, he sure. told Lorca that this was going to be his absolute last jump. Yeah, and then so he decided to leave after he saw Hugh in the network. Like, um, no, I don't think he, he's talking. I mean, he's talking here about how Hugh helped guide them home. So he hadn't seen Hugh yet. He didn't see Hugh until the, this time. Then when they jumped. They've yeah. done two more jumps since he told Lorca this would be our my last jump. I've, I've the last jump was to jump back home, but then they ended up in the uh, mirror universe and then. Mirror. You know, this is a different time. This is when they were. They, this is when they were supposed. This is recently when they were going to arrive on Vulcan uh, to pick up the captain. They ended up never picking up. <laughs> yeah. You gotta wonder what that guy's what, what's going on in that guy's head right now and where are these people i mean they're supposed to be here an hour ago <sighs> and was it going to be a vulcan captain is that why we're picking up on vulcan i mean maybe that was just where the bus stop was well they said there was a starship discovery and then all of a sudden i look up and this starship discovery never existed <laughs> and i don't have a ship to go to what the hell <laughs> what the heck hell hold the horses you like that line <laughs> Oh, I just noticed something in the background there on their screen. They have uh, sort of the, like the little blinky rectangles reminiscent of the way the screens looked on Enterprise, the NX-01. Oh, have they? Yeah. On the NX-01, they were a little bit more like actual switchy clicky buttons, but these yeah. are like on screen, so they've evolved a little bit. So what do you think it feels like when you do a spore jump, gauging from Pike's reaction? I don't, I don't know, but um, I, I, I missed my opportunity when uh, Saru said, "You never forget your first time." I wanted to say that's what she said, but well, you just said it, so congratulations. Yeah, but now I mean, I had to set myself up, and it, it's not the same. No, I, I did set you up. 
Okay, well, you're right. It's all right. We just we just reset the reset and keep playing. Try again next time. Yeah. Do you think Do you think the asteroid is like? It's almost like attacking her here. The way it's doing it, these the things. Asteroid, it seems like it's just like coming the hell apart and coming well, away. That... This asteroid is massive, right? And yes. it, apparently it generates a massive gravitational field. Oh. This is where it attacks her. It's defending itself and it explodes. Is, it though? is that what's it's happening? It's about to. Is it? Is it's it like to? some sort? Of, it's like a resonant reaction. I don't think it attacked her. But then I like how immediately the computer detects something is wrong, and it calls for help. Well, detecting energy of an unknown origin. Yeah. Because so I it calls engineering it. and not medical, but it called for help and didn't wait for somebody. To call to discover her and call for help. Sure. Um, sure. Whereas, you know, twelve years ago or whatever it's been since the last Star Trek, you know, in in the nineteen nineties twenty fourth century. Yeah. So the twenty fourth century computer probably wouldn't have been like, hey, something's going on down in sick bay. I mean, down in the storage bay. Y'all might want to check it out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but you gotta wonder if the, if we ever get back to the 24th century in, in this after this new track if this computer's gonna start doing stuff like that of course I guess um, in another show that we haven't just covered yet the EMH just kind of shows up oh oh sure sure yes that does happen in another show I'm very intrigued by this cobbling together they've done of the different religions of the world and I'm curious about its timing it's timing yeah because they say that the glass in this church is 200 years old mm -hmm. uh, so I and I don't know how long this settlement has been here and I don't know when World War three happened so it's hard for me to gauge like whether this religion was completely cobbled together after the transfer here or if, if it happened before and if it happened before then like how large of an area like were there select people from different places taken or was it just people who were in that church because why would why would then different cultures be brought together like you see what i'm saying they they said earlier that these people that the original people that were brought here were brought here 200 years ago they've cool. also mentioned that it's uh before warp flight okay. so it's obviously um, before Zephyr, Zephyr Cochran's flight, I think they dr did a date drop like 20, 2153. Okay. So about 10 years before April 4th, 20, pretty sure it was 2063. Oh, it makes sense. Okay. So they think that, so how long has the settlement been here? If it time traveled, it time traveled though, or did it just move? No, it's been here for 200 years. So it, it, it didn't time travel at all. No. It just physically moved. These are the descendants of the original people to, to arrive. Okay, so there's no hint of time travel happening. It's just they moved them hundreds of years ago during the war. Yeah, they, they it, whoever they are, um, they were abducted during the war, about 10 years before Zephyr Cochran's flight, huh. and uh, brought to this earth. They don't know who brought them. They didn't have any contact with them and they just know that for all they know earth is destroyed um 
and that was 200 years ago. And they've been developing their culture ever since. And they've been developing this, yeah, this new culture ever since. And some of the people that were alien abducted were prob mm -hmm. probably, you know, there, there was probably maybe a little bit of strife, but they realized that, oh, they were maybe headed down a path towards their own version of a world war. Oh, sure. And they needed to have an amalgamation. And a, a lot of the re religion, the th at least three of the major religions that are represented on the, those uh, windows do have a common origin. Okay. We're talking about Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. Yes. So two, two so of these would be like huh? the great grandchildren of people who were moved here, right? Because it's been 200 years. Yeah. Yeah. The, these are the great grandchildren or great grand great great grandchildren of the people who were brought here these are not the original people that were brought here okay well yes that's why they're so better indoctrinated indoctrinized into uh what the original faith systems might have been um you know and it's so much sort of different than my, what it might have started off as sure. which making me kind of realize a little bit maybe there was some commentary on, uh, I mean, the United States is roughly 200 years old. Well, I mean, 76 was the, two, was the bicentennial, 1976. 1976, so 2076 will be the tricentennial. Very good. 2026 will be the sesquicentennial. Sesquicentennial. No, bicesquicentennial. Wow, that is quite a word. Say it again, bicesquicentennial. Um, you, you just did. <laughs> uh, the it, it means uh, sesquicentennial is 150 years. Uh, so, presumably, I mean, I'm piecing together a word that's probably being made up. But it I'm going to say die sesquicentennial. Mm, okay, I mean, die is usually used in chemistry, but okay. Is die? Oh, so for some reason, my head tells me that like, and this is an instance where by could be like twice, and die could be. Oh, I'm thinking of like half versus two. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, in chemistry, die is two because in chemistry, by means something else. Dissected, dissected. Sort of, yeah. But but traditionally, by bi means two, like a bicycle, two two wheels like a bisexual two sexes or two sexualities it was interesting when uh, Saru reached over to Tilly and put his hand on uh, her shoulder we got a good look at his thumb and it looks like the nail doesn't come out of the top of the thumb it, rather the end of the thumb itself like it almost is like a, a end in a hoof yeah and yeah. I, I don't I can't recall seeing the ends of his fingers before, but you gotta wonder if the other ends of his fingers are hooves as well. well I think they very well may have been hooves that became something more akin to fingers. Because that makes sense. That would keep in line with uh what his back feet are. Uh the the uh uh digigrade feet. The hooves, yeah. Yeah. I I can't recall if I've ever seen them barefoot but you want to keep yes. moving right around just a little more I mean you know I, I need to catch up with you <laughs> this is fair this is fair. 
Yeah, don't worry about keeping up with me. Don't keep up with the Joneses. <laughs> So, like, what was the purpose of creating New Eden? Was it just to, like, save the human race? Like, as if humanity wouldn't have survived if New Eden hadn't been moved to this place? I think that's what these descendants have inevitably come to the conclusion of, is that Earth didn't survive, that the, or at least humanity on Earth uh, didn't survive, and, and this was the only way to ensure... Time that hmm? this is, and, the, and they so they believe they are the last of humanity likely yeah after the and, and possibly that's why they're more willing to work together and have things like amalgamations of re religion and they're reverting a little bit back to 18th century technology a little bit to being kind agrarian. Of get back to the earth a little bit huh being agrarian yeah yeah you know that they can kind of work together and learn how to remember or remember that they are all human and stuff that they you know prick us do we not bleed sure so uh, Wusikan apparently comes from uh, uh, one such society Burnham says that she comes from a Luddite collective on earth so they don't use uh, what electricity and they like issue technology and stay away from you know too much comfort in that sort of arena yeah i mean it depends on the luddite you know belief system and stuff but um yeah i mean not all of them not all luddite colonies or collectives or whatever have to have all the same rules well i won't what do you what do you mean by that? Like I thought it was just a, a type a description of a a type of lifestyle, you know, like just opposed to technology. Well, you can be opposed to technology, but you don't have to be opposed to all technology. For example, Amish and Mennonite are completely different. Well, but these are like those are like religious based, right? Like, aren't they? Yeah, they're they're. Yeah, traditionally so religious based. I, I would imagine uh, like Owosukun's collective is just being like based on like a, you know, just avoidance of like technology, you know, without there being like necessarily religious component to it. Without there necessarily, pardon me? Without there necessarily being a religious component to it, you know? Yeah, I mean, they could be completely maybe uh, non religious, say, Luddite hippie kind of thing. You know, yeah. some of the hippie movement did did some things like that. Um, there are some people that e even today that are they're already seeing how much we're transfixed and constantly gazing at some sort of screen or another, and they want to try and get away from as much of that as pop, or they they want to try and maybe not be as reliant on it as some people seem to be so there would be a minorly luddite society and not necessarily being a religious based although there, there are certainly are many of them that are religious based not just the uh christian ones like amish and mennonites but aren't aren't there different um, monk col colonies in in the in eastern societies that uh do without any modern technology at all? 
not my arena. <laughs> yeah, maybe I watch a little bit more documentary kind of stuff than, yeah. than you usually do. Yeah. I don't know. the expert on that. Hi. Tilly keeps plugging away at this whole dark matter plus the spore drive thing. Mm -hmm. And it got me to thinking about like the fact that the dark matter somehow uh, I'm going to say maybe inspired the spore something to create Ahern to create May Ahern and uh -huh. like that has something to do with some light in the mycelial network and some echo of Tilly's memory and I wonder and, and, it, and it started when she had her little dark matter encounter down in the, um, yeah. the shuttle bay, right? So I wonder, so it seemed to me that the, the dark matter in action started the whole, you know, thing with, with, uh, with Ahern. So I wonder yeah. if there's some way, if Telly's correct, and there's some way maybe they could create, like, a dark matter hologram to uh, drive the mycelial network around, like, a, like an AI, you know, like they were trying to build uh, trying to like map it on to the thing. I forget what they said. That certainly seems plausible, but uh... oh, they they wanted to build a coherent resonator to interface <laughs> with the spores. Uh huh. And Tilly was talking about like a dark matter navigational interface. So I'm wondering if this coherent resonator to interface with the spores could be built into an artificial intelligence, and then that artificial intelligence be part be draw be uh driven by like a dark matter navigational interface and also a holographic interface so that the two work together and the hologram could run the spore drive and navigate. <laughs> I'm I'm sitting here watching the uh discovery release the uh dark matter asteroid and or, yeah so it's doing doing its little donuts right it's not doing any donuts. It's doing a loop-de-loop. -loop. It's that a donut is where you fling around your rear end and your yeah, front yeah, end that's almost doesn't move. It's like that, you put, oh, I mean they can't not they can't yeah well yeah okay fair enough. But they they did like a sliding donut. So my yeah. question is now, so you see how like the 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 asteroid is like picking up mass, like it's drawing yeah. stuff towards it as it heads out. So eventually it's gonna draw enough mass to fall back into orbit of Terralisium. And then, like, as it's plummeting through the asteroid field, it's going to gather an even more matter, enough mess, and then it's going to crash into Terralisium <laughs> as a giant asteroid. Well, I mean, they they haven't revisited that, and they, they never said that they went and collected it back up and pulled yeah. it out of the center this of the This is going to be another tragic study, Alpha 5. Uh-oh. <laughs> Where Terralisium uh -oh. is destroyed by the collision of a dark matter nebula at the center of a small planetoid made of what used to be its own <laughs> so, so you think uh, at the end of the episode when uh, Jacob says, uh, I know we will, when uh, uh, Pike had said, uh, you know, we'll see around, are, are you hinting that maybe uh, there'll be oh, a, a new they're gonna world? See them, they're going to see them on Strange New Worlds. That's what's uh, going to happen. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have a Star Trek. Yeah. We're gonna have a Wrath of Khan episode in Strange New World. So, did they know they were gonna come? 
they made did they decide in uh during this episode that they were definitely gonna do strange new world they knew they were gonna do strange new worlds and they decided they were gonna definitely come back to terra lucia i mean no but they certainly left a space for a seed to be planted in there to revisit it again you, you've only got you've only got two strikes so far so you're good Good. Good <laughs> okay. Well, I was noticing earlier, and we're about to touch on it just a little bit again here. Um. Well. Uh. Michael Burnham just walked in on on Pike. Did you notice the door chime? It I was did. like a, we have. What, is that a Voyager door chime? What what, what door well, chime? That, that's that? totally twenty fourth century. Standard TNG across the originally. board. Okay. Oh, okay. Because huh? okay. like I couldn't, I couldn't place it because I know they're like all slightly different, aren't they? The TNG Voyager and DS9s. Yes. So like I feel like that was a Voyager, but I'm not really sure. I I, no, the, the 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 Voyager was a little bit more electronic, electronically okay. sounding. Yeah. So that's and the, the TNG was more of a chimey doorbelly kind of happy sound. Okay. Right. And I think the DS9 was more militaristic. Yeah. Mechanicals. I mean, it's certainly not a Federation door to chime. Sure. Yes, that. Which makes sense. But anyway, what were you saying? I'm sorry to interrupt, but Michael Burnham is. Burnham is still imitating Vulcan mannerisms here. He's not imitating. Well, in a way, she is because she's not directly Vulcan. Culturally, she is Vulcan. You say tomato, I say tomato. She she grew up. No, I mean she grew up on on Vulcan for. A very formative period of her life so like in a lot of ways she she's driven to become Vulcan as as much well maybe not as much but in in the same way that data strove to become human okay and I guess he was never human and she was never Vulcan but you know he definitely tried and oh I see what you're saying now I've walked myself into it <laughs> so do you think but I, my point is I don't think she's trying now I think she's just being herself yeah. And that's just part of her. I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying. Okay. But do you think it, over the course of the last three years, once we get into season three, at the end of season three, and into season four, maybe some of her development in her character arc in part of becoming captain, do you, do you, do you, do you think that she maybe contrasts a little bit differently uh, by the by season four? I then she does in like say season two or season uh, I one. I expect more warmth, but also more. Uh, I don't know. She's. I, I don't know. I don't know what I expect moving forward. Okay, I think. I think. I wonder if part of her interaction with uh, Emperor Georgiou and helping Emperor Georgiou discover her prime timeline kind of humanity versus her prime timeline humanity the vicious humanity um maybe you know helped burnham discover her own sort of uh earthly human terran humanity oh sure i get what you're getting at i think starfleet did that okay i think the original georgia did that so here's the scene at the end of the episode that we're i was vaguely touching on but I'm just thinking of something else. Uh, sorry to kind of uh, 
abruptly switch gears here, but I want to say something before yeah. we get out of it. I think this is the Star Trek thing. This is every Star Trek. Jacob right now is every Star Trek fan who <laughs> wants to be treated by the star, the Vulcan beaming down and saying, yes, Star Trek is real. I know. Here's all the things I collected and I knew that it was real. And here you go. Like, look, here's my ships over here. And here's my ships over there. And look, I even have the cup from so-and-so. And here's my plate. Like, Boyman has this plate because he's, he's got his Tom Player's plate. You know? <laughs> he's like, I know it's real. Here's all my little things. Here's my little things. When I knew it, I knew it. I've been a true believer all this time. Yep, yep. I'm a true believer. <laughs> and then he, here he is. He's like, here. Have some 24th century, dear 21st no, century person, like, have some what? 23rd, 24th century technology. Here's a giant battery that lasts forever. Yeah, and it seems like like when he grabs it, he can feel the power. Uh, like, I have the power. Yeah. Like, he's like, he's, he definitely feels like he's about to turn into human. Oh, and look, we even revert back to uh, shaking hands again. Oh, sure, yeah, coronavirus is finally over. Yes. He's finally gotten rid of it, apparently. And we're not <laughs> giving it to, to these humans. Oh, these humans might have coronavirus. Maybe coronavirus started World War III. Um, Where some country was like, you did this. And they're like, no, we didn't. And they're like, but here's the proof. <laughs> like, well, are, are, are you sure they, that coronavirus did start World War Z? Oh. That's, I, I'll give you half, but that was... That was, no. That, no, that wasn't. It was on. It wasn't a strike. It may have been a ball. <laughs> okay, it was the pitcher's fault. It wasn't you. It was a good swing. Uh, oh, oh, a good one. It's good. <laughs> it wasn't your fault. It was the setup. Okay. Okay. I may have bumped the tee while I was back <laughs> Hey, I'm not. We're not. No. Are you saying I can't play real ball? I have to get down with the little boys level and play some tee ball. I don't know how many how many uh, audience members are there for this show. <laughs> At this point, you and first... me. <laughs> I mean, although I mean, I've invited plenty of people, and shout out to um, uh, Mr. Vinsel if he's listening. Ever gets to this point, thank you for getting this far. Uh, please uh, continue. We enjoy your presence. Let me talk straight to Glystig. And, That's how and, you pronounce it. Huh? And, and thank you for the Zico show. And thanks for your uh, a constructive uh, criticisms, which were more like, you know, rest gushing praise, which I appreciate. And, uh. You know, uh, and, uh. Oh, here we are. We must be in that time of the show. Why? <laughs> where things just fizzle. You know, I was one thing I wanted to mention was that there was one final scene where, uh, I almost found a Picard. But Pike is watching, uh, you know, the scene of the angel from the from the broken soldier's helmet, right? Yes. Okay. And when the angel came into that scene, it made me think of like a horror movie, right? Where like the monster suddenly comes in the door. Yeah. Or like breaks through the wall. Well, maybe maybe that's why they switched it up a little bit to say, oh, could this actually be a a good angelic being, or because it's always. You know, they did these red bursts, and it's always been shrouded in red. Could it be a evil thing, and they're actually being tricked? And so that's what it looked like to me. It looked like it was a menace coming at them. Yeah. It looked like so, that was like pipe I mean, across his face about 
but I didn't know that was like if I was just inventing that idea in my head or if they were like mm-hmm. really trying to present that as possibility. It, it's it's, I mean it, it's humans and our mythology that that transmuted Lucifer into the devil and the you know the we 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 stole from Pan and we stole from other mythologies to make Lucifer into the devil, but technically Lucifer is still an angel so he if you're going to contrast blue for good and red for bad he, I mean these quote red angels could be I mean we we don't know so yeah maybe they were trying to go for a, a red equals bad blue equals good kind of dynamic I think it's a very uh, it's a very typical for Starfleet kind of way to go it's definitely okay. best to be a lot of blue. <laughs> but also, yeah. Especially in these uh, Discovery uniforms. For sure. For sure, that absolutely. <laughs> so what was your overall uh, take on this episode, Mr. Gray? I'm sorry, excuse me. Let me not misuse your title, Earl Gray. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed this episode. I, I thought there was a lot of lore that... I mean, it added a little bit to uh, the missing history between 1966 and 2266. I appreciated the story arc. I appreciated being trying to protect the Prime Directive, and Michael does, you know, do her best after a phaser goes off in Pike's chest to m- maintain the Prime Directive, and you know, she even uses their belief system in their culture to help her and her captain get help as fast as they can. You know, we should go to the church and pray for this. Um, I thought it was interesting, you know, a second or third watch through, I never noticed before that uh, um, Tilly's little friend there, you said her name and I totally blanked on it. Nobody else ever notices her. And she always appears out of nowhere. Yeah, I really didn't catch that. (laughs) <laughs> on the first time too for sure really yeah. did not but really like, as soon as they she, when she first appears in sick bay like she's like help and everybody just like walks in as if the person hadn't said help right there like, they were, like, yeah yeah i i thought that they really left some nice little breadcrumbs in in that i enjoyed this episode um maybe, maybe i'd give it a nine maybe a 9.5 yeah i think i'm up there uh in that arena with you i I felt kind of the same about its um, its uh, weaving in of story elements and of like filling in those gaps in the history. Um, I really appreciated the fact that uh, there wasn't like uh, an, too much of a heavy-headed message about you know religion or about faith, but definitely like uh, a, uh, a a hint of it, a touch on it, without casting any judgment one way or another. Yeah, and but also a, a blending of you know science. I there was a part that I really uh, that really struck a chord with me, and that was the part uh, where uh, Pike and Jacob discussed uh, in, indistinguishable for magic. You know how you know any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable for magic to someone who is not at that level of advancement, and thus mm-hmm. any. Uh, sufficiently advanced alien is indistinguishable from God. I wondered at that point who 
it was that was exhibiting good qualities like to, to one another they could each be could have some component of godliness because the city or, or the civilization the settlement of new eden on Scale has been moved from earth by some technology that is sufficiently advanced from pike that it must be something akin to a god and mm-hmm transportation technology and thinking of the starship technology and probably the communications technology and the power cell that Pike has given to Jacob by the end of the episode. Yeah. Likely indistinguishable for magic for Jacob. So it's neat to see the two uh, cultures with the same root living, uh, you know, experiencing wonder at one another, looking mm-hmm. at different sides of a, of a wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing I enjoyed is they, they showed how um, they kind of pointed at, at some of the re- religious con- I'm trying to pick my words carefully confrontation that uh, is going through between uh, three of the most populous religions on earth today uh, as well as sort of a little bit some of the other religions they're they're not so confrontational towards the judeo-christian religions but um certainly you know i guess just what i'm getting at is that i saw some hope that you know things could even soon get mildly better by the religions coming together and saying hey you know what we do have a a common thread a commonality in i guess the, even the phrase that i was looking for earlier is the abrahamic religions they the historic historians call it the them the abrahamic religions for a reason and it seems like the people that are practicing those religions have forgotten that or don't acknowledge it as much as they maybe should you mean uh, acknowledge that they're that they are uh, practicing different branches of one original religion. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, sort of. Or that they have a commonality that they can come together on. On root, sort of. Uh, a, a same, the same root system. Yes. Sure. So I, I enjoyed how Star Trek and the producers of Star Trek kind of said there, there, there is a possibility here that of a future that could exist where the Abrahamic religions can come together and realize, hey, we're all human. We all worship basically the same yes. monotheistic so God. After the entire world has been torn asunder and the last 11,000 survivors have been sent to live in exile on some harsh <laughs> planet, then perhaps yes. maybe we'll, all the world religions will come together and all the people of the world can hold hands. <laughs> yes. That's the scenario that it's been Heal the world. Yes. Heal the new planetoid. <laughs> Make it a better place. Make it a newer place. New for you Kuthon. and for me and the entire human race. New Kruthon. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. Um, I want to make a point that I forgot to make when we were talking about a different episode. Um, Let's talk about other episodes. Let's talk about other tracks. Well, we can a new segment. Let's talk about other tricks. Sure. <laughs> Do you remember? I think it was 
either yeah I think it was the last episode we did the, the first episode of this season do you remember when, when Pike found the fortune cookie fortune sure. Uh, sure. at the base of his desk and it was implied that somehow Lorca left that behind and that was he it, dropped it yeah, yeah not every what is it not every uh yeah, something about not every cage is prison or something for that effect. I can't remember what the actual fortune said. Either. Unfortunately. But um, my little headcanon right now, and I'm wondering if they're going to pick up on this eventually, is uh, what if that wasn't left behind by Lorca, but what if it was left behind there by Crewman Daniels? Yeah, so I'm just going to point out that we actually we actually did mention that during our uh, review of that episode. Oh, we did. You you specifically did. Oh, Good. well, I mean, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. I, yeah. I I like thinking in the fourth dimension. Or circles. Sometimes. Or circles. <laughs> circles. I thought the episode was called Brothers. Brother. It's called brothel. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. I was trying to find an amusing name for this episode, but I couldn't team up and pull myself into one. It was perfect. Um, shame to do it, but uh, new crouton was close. I could come. <laughs> well, Whedon, we Whedon. Yeah, new Whedon. That's what, that's what uh, <laughs> that's what Will's Will's kid is called. New new. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of Will Wheaton Jr., it's just New, New Wheaton. Wheaton. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I also nine for this episode, brother. So, you also did what? I also nine. I also had nine. It also nine. It nine. Okay. Well, that's the scale. So, uh, so, uh, so I think uh, I think here we are. Here we are at the fumble. <laughs> Just <laughs> right at the and it just sort of like falls away <sighs> so next episode we'll be discussing uh, uh, episode 3 of course which comes after 2 point of light um, a heavy uh, non Star Trek or non Discovery crew episode because we we check in on uh, um, I blanked on her name What's her name, Laurel? We check on in her. Okay. I, I'm staring at her face, and I'm George O. Oh, I'm George O. Em Emperor, former former Emperor George O. Is out there somewhere, isn't she? Yeah. And we check in on uh, what's going on, like you said, between Laurel and uh, formerly the the human formerly known as Vogue. Let's check out what's going on in your neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, and we focus our point of light onto their storyline. Focus the point of light on your forehead. <laughs> Is it a red point of light? Is it a red point? It's green, actually. Oh, green, so I can see it coming. Right time. Are, are you sure it's not uh, purple? It's not. It's not. It's not I'm tired of these. I'm a Yep, there it is. There's the fumble. Snakes on a plane. No, you guys, uh, jack out. <laughs> Hasta la vista. Peace. So you first say Earl off, so then that's something. I forgot to get the jack.
the joke where you say Earl out and like Earl off. There. Oh, oh okay. We'll do a take two and you'll cut it. <laughs> Alright guys, well that's Support it. the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kakos Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.